Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show.
You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. Good evening, wherever you are in the world listening to this radio broadcast. Stevie B Media Production presents What a Word from the Lord radio show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler. And this radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina studio in the great state of North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just grateful for the privilege to bring your program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give us a call to the live show at 713-955-0508, or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio website and listen to the show live there. You will find over 1,700 live shows on Blog Talk Radio at this hour, and you will consistently find this radio show on pages 1 through 4 of that website on on tonight's broadcast you will find the show on page one i just checked it before i came on the air and if you have any questions or comments for any of my special guests or well, my co-host on this broadcast just send your emails to my new email address butler steve 1009 at yahoo.com or you can call stevie b media production at the carolina studio at 910-491-6400 now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stay along with us here on the God on What a Word from the Lord radio show. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Let us pray. Our most kind, gracious, loving Heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, please, you'll be my special guest speaker on the show, Steve Cordo as well as my co-host, Lou Gilbert, as they break into our listeners, the Bread of Life, and also my special guest in the community corner, Ponder G. Florence, as she serves our community with the various talents and gifts to uplift our neighbors. We pray that you will bless everyone that will be working, uh, serving on the program this evening, just continue to bless their families and bless their efforts to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will be with our listeners who are tuning in via blog talk radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well, that they may consider their eternal stance before you and that their hearts may be pricked. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We're just so grateful for his precious sacrifice on Calvary's cross. For we recognize that without such a sacrifice, we will not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us in love us all the days of our lives. And that we have been faithful until death. Father, we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. In the first segment of the broadcast, my 
uh, special guest speaker will be my co-host for the Gospel Light Radio Show, Steve Cordo. He serves as the evangelist for the East Park Church of Christ there in Danville, Illinois. And Steve is also a co-host for the Gospel Light Radio Show that airs on Thursday night here on Blog Talk Radio. He's always someone that I can call on at the last minute if I need a speaker. That's uh, For whatever reason, something happens to my guest speakers on this show, I can always call Steve up. And that was actually the case. I had another speaker scheduled for this program for this evening, but Steve was willing to step in at the last minute, and I certainly appreciate him for doing that. So that Steve will be uh, speaking in the first segment of this broadcast. And in the Community Corner segment, my special guest is Ponder G. Florence from Boca Raton, Florida. She's a manager for a nonprofit, and she's also a legislative aide for State Representative Felicia Robertson. So looking forward to talking to Ponder G. Florence on the in the Community Corner segment as well. And then to close out the show, my co-host Lou Gilbert. He serves as the as the evangelist for the Oldbrook Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So after the break, the next one should be that of my special guest speaker, Steve Cordles. Open up your Bibles now and open your minds and let's have a great show. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. God is able, God is able, God is able to do what he said he would do. God is able, God is able, yes he is, God is able, God is able, God is able to do what he said he'd do. Think about Daniel and the lion's den. It didn't look too good, but Daniel put his trust in him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When the flames grew hot, they just put their trust in God. And he would not let them go. Showed his faithfulness. So if you think you're in a trial by fire, when the flames go hot, you just put your trust in God, and He'll never let you go. When trials come your way, He can give you peace down in your soul. He is always true. He'll be there for you. Will you believe? Will you receive? Yeah. 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 
Listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my co host, special guest speaker, Steve Cordo. And good evening, everybody, and thank you, Stevie, for having me on the program once again. And if you have your Bibles, you want to get it and open up to Matthew chapter 13. That's where we'll be spending the most of our time in this uh, lesson. I've been doing a series the last several weeks uh, at my Sunday uh, preaching time, and it's on the subject of sin and evil and why they exist in the world. And there's a parable that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 13 that ties into uh, the problem we have of evil and suffering, and I've got several lessons on my uh, YouTube channel, and uh, there'll be some more coming down. And while I was preparing for this particular lesson, I read about a television program that appeared on the old USA network uh, from 2005 to 2012, and the program was called Weeds. And it was about a woman named Nancy, I don't know if it's Botwin, Botwin, in the series, her husband dies unexpectedly, and she resorts to dealing in marijuana in order to make ends meet. And over the course of the show, she and her family get more and more entangled in various illegal activities. And in between the sixth and seventh seasons, she serves time at the federal penitentiary in Danbury, Connecticut, uh, while another of her sons goes to Denmark and is living over there. And it's kind of a convoluted story is what one uh, reviewer said of it. And the title could refer to, obviously, a slang term for marijuana. That's, at least when I was a kid, that's what a lot of people called it. But it could also refer to the characters themselves, who, like weeds, are very hardy and they're struggling to survive. And if you live in the southeast, particularly along the Gulf Coast, you know what kudzu is. Kudzu is that uh, coiling, climbing, uh, perennial vine that's native to, uh, actually came from southeast Asia, into the United States. I don't know when or exactly where or how, but it grows over everything. It'll grow over fences, light posts. It'll uh, suffocate other vegetation by just growing over it and blocking out the sunlight. It gets its name from the Japanese name uh, for the plant, and it is considered a noxious or a harmful or an injurious uh, weed, and it climbs over just about anything. And uh, some of my reading indicated that it was edible, but you have to be careful because farmers typically really heavily uh, uh, spray it with herbicides to kill it off because of the damage it can do to their crops. And then I grew up in Alaska, and we had something up there. I have only seen it in Alaska, but it was called fireweed. And it showed up, just as the name implies, after a fire. And it would overrun an area and in, in the dry, poor soil that a lot of Fires left behind. It's kind of purple. Some say it looks pink, but it always looked purple to me. And it would shoot up over uh, various areas. And it, it is just what it says, a weed. 
And in his book, The Evolutionary Ecology of Weeds, Jack Decker said that weeds are defined as a plant out of place, thriving in habitats disturbed by humans, possessing competitive behavior and capable of mass movement from one area to another. So it's a plant out of place. So if you're growing wheat, let's say, and um, you've got corn popping up, by definition, that corn would be a, a, a weed is my take on this because it doesn't belong there. That's supposed to be where wheat's growing and the corn would take away the nutrients and things that, uh, that the wheat needs in order to grow. Now, if we go back to the beginning, to Genesis chapter 3 and the, the original sin, that is the first sin that was committed, that Adam and Eve disobeyed God. In chapter 3, verse uh, 18, God told them that the ground would produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. So the weeds that we face today in our gardens, in our crops, are the direct result of the sin of Adam and Eve. And we're going to look at living with these weeds, because there is an application in this parable, Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 13, but we have to understand as we're starting at the beginning that God's intent for the world is and always has been good. If you look at verses 37 and 38 in Matthew uh, chapter 13, he says there, as Jesus is explaining the parable, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. And then back in verse 24, he told the parable or began the parable, rather, as the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. So the good seed is the Christians, the followers of Christ, the children of God. They're the, these good seed, verse 37, 38, stands for the sons of the kingdom. Now, I'm a city slicker. I've only uh, been on a farm a few times. In fact, if you added up the total amount of time I have spent on farms it, in my entire life, it might come to three or four or five days. But I have seen some farmers when they've opened their seed bags, and inside the bags will be seed. There might also be little bits and pieces of grass, of twig, of things like that. Uh, so there's stuff, some of that has to be sifted out before they can plant. But the seeds that the, this sower sows that Jesus talks about sowed pure good seed. There was none of that uh, foreign material or anything else mixed in with it because God does not sow anything but good seed. Good intentions, good people, good influences. That's what God sows. And when we begin to grow, when the wheat begins to grow, weeds will spring up. And they'll both look alike when they first start. Uh, I've got pictures on my PowerPoint presentation of this lesson. And really, unless you know your, your plants and your agriculture, you would have a hard time telling these uh, weeds from the tares or the darnel is the is what they were called uh, back in Jesus' day. They look alike until the seed heads appear, and then the darnel can be identified by its grayish color. But by that time, the roots are intertwined, and it's impossible to separate them. If you pull up one, you're going to pull up the other. And so they uh, are, Jesus said that the uh, farmer had them leave them all in the ground until the harvest. Now the field is the world, where God has sown the good seed and the devil has sown bad seed. And there's no separation until the harvest. So this idea of a rapture, that the church or the Christians are going to be raptured away before some kind of a tribulation, this parable Jesus tells just blows that away. Because the good and the bad are in the field until they uh, the uh, harvest when they are both taken up. And 
at the end of the world, the angels reap the harvest. And notice that Jesus says that God will separate them, or rather the, the reapers will separate them. That's God separating his people from Satan's people. And they'll be the the weeds and the grass, Satan's people, will be thrown into the furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a, a sorrow. That's a remorse. Extreme anxiety. Those who, who today here say they don't care what happens to them after they die really don't realize what they're saying. There was a commercial here not too terribly long ago featuring uh, Ron Reagan. That's the son of the former president. And Ron Reagan is an atheist. And at the end of the commercial, he said – he identified himself, I'm Ron Reagan, and I'm not afraid to go to hell. Well, he says that now, but I would advise anybody with that attitude to seriously rethink it. Hell is a real place. It's not a pleasant thing to talk about, but it's there. And if you don't have your sins covered by the blood of Christ, that's what that's your your ultimate destination. The, the God sent his son into the world to save the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him should not perish. That's the good news. You don't have to go out into eternity without Jesus. It's your decision. And that is the message of, the, of Christianity. It is scattered abroad. In fact, when I prepared this lesson, I found a little bit of irony that a favorite illustration to talk about the spreading of the church when we're talking about weeds and plants is a weed is many times used to illustrate the church. That is the dandelions. Now, we lived in Florida for a while, and we didn't have dandelions down there, but in the Midwest, we've got them. I had them in Colorado, Alaska, and places that I've lived, the nice yellow flowers that your kids will pick up and bring home to mom, and mom says, oh, how cute, how nice, thank you for the flowers, and, you know, they're, they're weeds. But left in the ground, that yellow cap eventually becomes white, and we like to pick up those little seedlings and just blow them, and then the wind catches them and blows them into the neighbor's yard. Neighbor doesn't appreciate that. Uh, but let's just say you got 100 seedlings there, and uh, 50 of them find fertile soil to land in. Well, then 50 of those plants are going to pop up. And then if they turn uh, to the white uh, seedlings and get picked up and blown away, there goes 50 more times uh, uh, however many seedlings, uh, however many plants you got going out there. That's how the kingdom multiplies. Acts chapter 8, verse 4 says they were scattered because of the persecution that came about after Stephen's death. They were scattered. This is the Greek word uh, where our English word dispersion comes from or dispersed. They went everywhere. They were dispersed everywhere preaching the gospel. In uh, Acts chapter 11, those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jew. They hadn't gotten word yet about Cornelius and that the Gentiles uh, could now uh, be taught the gospel and come into the kingdom. But we also have to understand that God had good intentions. We also need to understand that there is an evil power that exists in the real world. Look at uh, verse 25. While the, everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. The point here is simple. Evil exists in the world. There, there's really no getting around that. Uh, it's just a fact. It's there, and Jesus explains that the kingdom, despite the evil, is going to grow quietly and abundantly, yet evil will still exist in the world. And notice that uh, it was during the night when the enemy snuck in and put the uh, the uh, uh, bad seed in the ground. The, you know, the, the farmer and, and the farmhands and all, they had done their work for the day. They had gone to bed. They were just uh, being doing what normal people do, and the enemy still came. So, say, you know, we're going to be going about our business. 
and Satan is going to strike. He's going to be at us at any opportunity he can get. Now, there is a certain major uh, insurance company. You've probably seen their TV ads with Mayhem uh, in there, and Mayhem says, I could just be a key that scratches across your door and wrecks your paint job. Uh, he could be a deer that's running along the roadside and jumps out in front of your car. And, of course, if you don't have this particular insurance, then you might not have proper coverage is the idea. But think of mayhem as the unexpected things that hit us, the evil, the, the, the bad, the inconvenience. Jesus is explaining in Matthew chapter 13 that the weeds are the sons of the evil one. That is Satan. He's the one who sows. The, the enemy who sows them is the devil. And the weeds are those who are not followers of Christ. Now, here's where we've kind of we've relegated Satan, the devil, to being basically a costume that our kids dress up in for Halloween. We don't take him seriously, but he is out there. Peter said that Satan is roaming around like a, a lion, seeking whom he may devour out there. He is a keen observer. He is watching. He is going to hit us with whatever he can get. He knows his time's running out. I have no idea when the Lord's going to return. I have no idea when Judgment Day is, but it is coming. Satan knows eventually his time will run out. He wants as many with him as possible. He is going to hit us as hard as he can. And here's an important point we also have to keep in mind when we're looking at this idea of the of wheat and tares is that appearances can be deceptive. You know, the tares that Jesus talked about looked like the wheat. And uh, it was it could be deceptive. Now, down south... You go to the family reunion, you'll have all kinds of good food and especially desserts. And a lot of times you got pumpkin pie and sitting right next to it is a sweet potato pie. Now, I was about 10 at a family reunion in Alabama, and I had my first sweet potato pie. I thought it was pumpkin pie. And I told no, it's sweet potato pie. They have the same color or close to the same color. Sweet potato pie sometimes is a little darker. It's a little rougher texture. They taste almost identical, and if you don't know the difference, it is very difficult to tell. Appearances can be very hard to distinguish. Another good one happened when I was in high school. I was in my English class, and a girl comes over to me, and she says, um, I told you we have a class together. And I said, um, well, yeah, I, I know that. And she got this puzzled look on her face, and she said, well, on the bus today, you said we didn't have a class together. And I said, well, uh, I don't ride your bus. And she got a really puzzled look on her face and said, well, there's this guy on my bus. He wears a jacket, a leather jacket like yours, and uh, he's got the same color hair. He looks just like it. And I said, okay, and I asked her some questions about the neighborhood she lived in. And I said, I know exactly who you're talking about. I said, that, that's Mark, and everybody thinks we're brothers. And we were in ROTC together, and uh, I was a company commander at the time, and I was unavailable to have my picture taken to put up on the picture board with all the other staff so they grabbed Mark, took a picture of him, put my name on it, put it up there. We had our annual inspection. We had, uh, I think, an open house. People saw the picture. Nobody noticed that it wasn't me. Everybody looked at it and thought it was me in the picture, and it wasn't. It was Mark. And at the end of the year, we put the picture in our scrapbook. It still had my name on it, but they put a parenthetical note saying who it really was. We looked that much alike. Now, we don't look that much alike anymore. The last I saw him... Uh, I was uh, always just a tiny bit taller than him, barely uh, noticeable difference. I was about 20 pounds heavier so than him. He was more athletic, but we both at the time had a slender build. Uh, you know, I was a little slender back then, uh, but we looked alike, and it was very difficult for people to tell us apart. Now, sometimes appearances can be discernible. 
I can tell the difference between a New York cheesecake and a pumpkin pie. They look very different. There are some plants I can tell that are very different. But here in this parable, notice the two sowers. We have God and the devil. We have two seeds. We have good seed. We have evil seed. We have two kinds of people. We have Christian and we have non-Christians. We have two kingdoms. We have the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the world. We have the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. But here's the catcher. We've only got one field. And both of these plants are growing in this field. God's seed and the devil's weeds grow together. And at times it is hard to tell them apart. That's why he said, leave them for the reapers. Apparently they had professional reapers who would come around at the end of the harvest. They knew the difference between the good seeds and the, or the good plants and the bad plants. And they would bundle up all the, all the bad ones, the weeds, and toss them in the fire. The others would be made ready for storage or for market or for whatever. But the parable is about the day when God will separate the wheat from the weeds. And we need to look at who are these weeds. Well, the weeds are obviously the children of Satan. They're the evil ones or the bad ones that are going to be tossed uh, into the fire. And sometimes those are going to be people we think might be believers, but their appearances are deceptive. And the, the apostles here are going to later deal with the same problem. They had to deal with false teachers. We have false teachers today. We have people who sit in the pews and are – there was a book years ago called Christian Atheists. And uh, if I'm remembering right, it was about people who – dealing with the problem. People show up at church on Sunday. They're also Christian, but then starting Monday, they live like they're atheists. They live like there is no God. And those ones do a lot of harm uh, for the cause of Christ. Now, our first inclination is to root out the evil. In other words, is to pull it up. But here's where we have to be, be careful because we might in the process pull up some wheat. How many Christians have been driven away because of false accusations or because of problems in the church? Jesus' solution for the wheat-weed problem is for us just to be wheat. Don't, we're not called to be the farmer. We're not called to, to uh, go out there and make judgments uh, about things, especially questionable or things that are matters of opinion, which means discretion is going to let good wheat and evil weeds coexist until harvest time. Look at verse 39. The evil, or rather the enemy who sowed them, is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out his kingdom, all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. And there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears uh, to hear, let him hear. So Jesus is saying that we will live alongside the sons of the evil one. And he's not surprised by this situation. He's not surprised by, by, by any of this. This has been going on since Adam and Eve sinned. Now, why does Jesus say this? Why does he say that we're going to be uh, with them till the end? He says it because we can do more harm than good if we start trying to weed. Uh, one time I got ambitious and went out to pull some weeds out of the flower beds, and when uh, my wife got home, she asked me, well, what happened to that snow on the mountain? And I said, what, what, what are you talking about? I just pulled the weeds, and she went and showed me, dug it out of the trash, the snow on the mountain, and oops, <laughs> that was a plant. It wasn't a weed, but I don't know the difference. I couldn't tell the difference. So we have to be careful when we're uh, trying to uh, – when we think we know who the evil ones are, who the weeds are. Because we can't read minds and hearts, and rather than try to root out the tares, we're called to change the world. We're called to be wheat. 
just as these early Christians did, be wheat that overcomes the weeds. Now, someone once told me that you can't save the whole world, but you can save a small part of it. And whatever community you're living in, whatever town you're living in, just think about trying to, to uh, do the work there that needs to be done. Uh, I see a lot of people talk about foreign missions. That's great. But if we don't keep the church here in America shored up and, and don't replenish here, who's going to be there to uh, send the missionaries over to foreign countries, to India or to Africa or wherever they're going, South America, Central America? If we don't keep the church here, keep the ranks here full, who's going to be there to send those missionaries out? So let's do some things here. Let's first of all see the world, let the world see us caring for each other, that they don't see us fussing among ourselves, arguing with ourselves. Because if we're in the church building and business meetings and we're arguing about this or that, who's out there evangelizing? They should see us caring each other, for each other, and we can't be evangelizing if we're fussing with each other. First John chapter 3 Verse 16 says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and all, we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Secondly, Let's don't uh, be self-righteous. Let's not criticize those who are in sin. Remember, we were we are sinners. We were uh, separated and alienated for God uh, from God at one time. Somebody taught you the gospel. Somebody taught me the gospel. Probably it was a relative, a friend, a roommate, a neighbor. Somebody taught you. You accepted it. You were baptized into Christ. It might have taken you a matter of hours or days. It might have taken you years. I know of two cases where uh, it took uh, the uh, it was uh, in a marriage situation where the wives were Christians. It took their husbands in one case about 25 years, and the other one was over 30 years before they became Christians. So don't be critical. And and then by the way, the the guy that took over 30 years, once he became a Christian, he couldn't figure out why everyone else took so long. And his son and his wife had to say, "Look, Dad, uh, it took you 30 years to figure it out. So be a little patient." And be careful about criticizing those who are not Christians. Let's not go down the road that the Pharisees did. And then let's put the gospel into action. Let's uh, not just talk about it, but if somebody's hungry, let's try to feed them. Let's try to do or get them clothes or whatever they need. If you can't help meet the need, help them find someone who can. And then let's uh, expect our love to overcome sin and overcome uh, uh, hatred and overcome all those things. Acts chapter 16 is an interesting read. Every time I read it, the new questions come to my mind. When when the Philippian jailer uh, comes in after the earthquake is hit, and Paul will back up a minute. When Paul and Silas are are singing and praying to God, the earthquake hits. The jailer comes in and he's about to kill himself because he thinks the prisoners have escaped. And Paul says, "Hold it! You don't do any harm to yourself. We're all here." I don't know how many people were in that jail. I doubt it was the huge uh, monstrosity prison like we have today. Might have been two or three, might have been a few dozen, uh, maybe something more like the jail you see on uh, the old Andy Griffith show where there's they can only hold two or three inmates at a time. Might be something more like that. I, I don't know. But here here's what I was thinking. The, the jailer came in, and 
asked, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus. And they didn't stop there. Denominationalists like to just say, oh, believe in Jesus, and that's it. But read on. They taught him at that hour of the night and baptized him sometime in the middle of the night. What about the other prisoners? You ever thought about them? They're there listening to Saul and, and or uh, to Paul and Silas singing and praying to God. The record does not tell us what happened, but I've wondered if maybe some seeds didn't get planted. Maybe somewhere else down the road. We don't know. It's just speculation, just something interesting to think about. But notice that, that the, the singing that they did, the praying to God, had a lot better impact than if they'd have been grumbling about it and complaining. So in this world, there's always going to be the wheat and the weeds. We never completely conquer sin. We're going to have the evil one and his followers, minions, angels, children, whatever you want to call them, are going to be here with us. But we can still make a difference. In fact, we must make a difference. There's a song that says, Arise, the master calls for thee, the harvest days are here. And they are. The fields are white unto harvest. So, Christians, let's go forward. Let's go forward and be the wheat that we need to be. And if you've been listening to this and you're wondering what must I do to be saved, we'll get in touch with Stevie, get in touch with uh, somebody uh, through our social media, and let us help you find your way. Let us help you tell you what you must do in order to be saved. And thank you, Stevie. Appreciate the opportunity to be on the show, and we'll see you next time. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show.
from the Lord Radio Show. The Community Corner.
You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. So lonely night, you pretty. Alright. Coming to the stage, my brother. We go way back. I'm talking about Luke Street Church of Christ back, y'all. Y'all ready? See, I say Moochie. See, I say Moochie. Come on down here, boy. Come on down here. Yeah, yeah. Come on, come on, come on, boy. Don't fall, don't fall. We got you. I work for the Lord. Everything I do, yeah, I do for the Lord But some people try to run my life Thinking their way is always right And tell them this, tell them that What you want me to do, put a rabbit on my hat Even though I lend a helping hand I think I ought to test for them It's my way, or the highway That's what you say, well that's what you say I can tell you this right now With my Jesus I won't back down Oh Lord, won't you help me To keep my cool, won't you help me I'm not trying to make you mad, but I gotta tell you something bad, yeah. I don't know what you've been told. I'm going to try to do it this way. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Uh huh. Okay. Now, I don't know how this is coming across on the air, ladies and gentlemen. I have Ponda on my secondary line, so I'm hoping that my listening audience can hear you. How are you doing, Ponda? I am doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I'm sorry we're having this technical difficulty here. I don't know what's going on. You know how Florida is. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know that was the first thing I thought about when the phone line started messing up. You know, Florida Florida legislators be cutting up down there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They probably can sense that I have some things to say about them tonight. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> So, Ponda, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Well, my name is Ponda G. Florence. I am a native of Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I currently live in Boca Raton, Florida, and I do all of my hard work in Miami-Dade County in the city of Miami. Well, we're just um, so I work thrilled a, to ha- Go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I work as a, a program manager for a nonprofit organization called The Resource Room, and I also serve as a legislative aide for State Representative Felicia Robinson. Now, Ponda, how did you get that job? Well, I'm glad you asked because <laughs> I <laughs> – it's not like I had all of these talents and knowledge about legislation. I actually knew nothing about government, politics, or legislation. 
um, Representative Robinson, I call her Felicia, she happens to be my college roommate and best friend, and we've been friends for years. And so when I moved to Florida, uh, I had worked for her, you know, long distance for free, writing speeches and just doing different things for her, flyers and helping her campaign, making calls um, from Chicago. I was living in Chicago at the time, making calls from Chicago to Florida to get people to vote for her. And so when I moved here, um, she gave me the very low-paying job uh, of a legislative aide. Oh, nice. Now tell us about your nonprofit. So the nonprofit, um, the resource room, we uh, manage, I manage programs for uh, children, summer camp programs, after-school programs, daycare center, and um, we have a, a, another organization called Project Connect, which connects uh, single parents to resources. And it also monitors truancy in teenagers so that if they're not going to school, then our counselors call to see why they're, why they're not going to school or why they're cutting classes. And usually it'll have something to do with homelessness or hunger or just something um, in their home life that prevents them from getting an education. And so we kind of step in to try to help those families. Ponda, where do you find the time? Yeah, somewhere in these 24 hours that the Lord blesses us with. (laughs) Amen. Now, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, if this name sounds familiar now, Ponda is George G's sister. That's their sibling. And George G comes on my show every fourth Friday of the month. He is just a joy to have on the show. Ponda, I am just so proud of your brother and just happy to, to know him. And now I'm glad to know you as well. <laughs> well. I'm glad to know you too, and I like him too. He's he's a pretty amazing guy. <laughs> yeah, he all right. Yeah, he all right. <laughs> well, Ponda, thank you for sharing your time with us on the community corner, and we're just so thrilled to have you on the show. Is there any way uh, our listeners can get in contact with you if they need any of your services? Uh, absolutely. Um, I have a. Uh, email address is ponda p o n d a um, dot my no ponda dot g e e at my florida house dot g o v. You know when I first met George, when he told me his name was George G, I thought he was kidding with me. <laughs> that was his actual last name. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> so, All right. I'm, I guess, I'm going to assume that your last name is not B, B-E-E. No, no, it's not. <laughs> but, you know, but, you know, there's a, there's a story behind that. You know, okay. I, when I was going to church here in West Fayetteville, here in Fayetteville, West Fayetteville Church of Christ, one of the brothers, every time he would see me, he was, now my name is Stevie Butler, but he would always say Stevie B. And and I had just started my radio programs and I'm like, huh, that that sounds pretty good. I might have to use that, you know. And I just wish okay. I'd have been using it in high school, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just so grateful for you being coming on the community corner with us this morning. I mean, this evening, and sharing your story with us. We certainly appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you for having me, and enjoy the rest of your evening, and have a great show. Yes, ma'am. 
Thank you, Father. All right. The Community Corner. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. All right, you worshipers. Time to forget about all the trouble the devil's brought in our life. Give it over to God. Yeah. I want you to know right now at this time. We gotta give him praise. Let everybody worship the Lord. Oh, come on, saints, he's worthy. Everything, from the Lord radio show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Still waiting, waiting. All flesh uh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision. Can you hear me? Hello, hello, hello. Am I still on? Let me know, let me know. Uh, okay, well, we'll just go on and let me know if it cuts off again or 
you can no longer uh, hear me. Again, on, so on that uh, Pentecost, the people wanted to know what was going on, and Peter began to preach the gospel uh, unto them. Uh, and so Peter does a masterful job in uh, explaining uh, everything that was going on. I, Peter does, if you look very closely, uh, Peter does a masterful job. In verse number 22, the Bible says, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. Peter does a masterful job of explaining to them that they saw this man, Jesus. They saw uh, Jesus, a man attested by God to you with miracles and wonders. This man was the same one that David spoke about in prophecy. Uh, verse number 23, him being delivered by the determined purpose of the foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, and I may, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me all the ways of life, you will make me full of joy and patience. And so what is he doing here? In verse 29, he says, men and brethren, let me speak freely to you that the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ. Don't miss that the Christ to sit on his throne. He foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus, God has raised, now he said again, this Jesus, God has raised up of which we are all witnesses Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, who? This Jesus, all right? And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out uh, this which you now see and hear, all right? For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he saith himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, why did I read all that? I read all of that to, to uh, show you tonight that, first of all, uh, Peter was letting them know that they physically saw the man Jesus. They saw him walk. They, they heard him talk. Many of them perhaps heard him teach. I don't know. Some of them might have been there when he fed the 5,000 on the side of the ground, on the side of the hill. I don't know. But he was saying that they saw this man, this person, 
Jesus. They saw with their own eyes. They witnessed with their own eyes. And so what did he do? He was saying, you saw this man. And then he goes back into in the prophecy of David. And he goes back in that prophecy to show that God promised this uh, David that his offspring would rise to the throne. And so what he does in verse 36 is he he combines the two together. He combines the Jesus that they know and saw physically with the Christ, the Messiah. They are one. And they said, he said unto them again, uh, let all the house of Israel know, uh, surely God hath made this Jesus, this this man, this walking, talking man that they saw and they witnessed with their own eyes, uh, uh, that made him uh, both Lord and Christ. He was the Christ. He was the Messiah, the one that they were waiting for, the one that they were praying for, the one they had waited all of those years through the prophets uh, for. He was now, again, he was the Christ. He was the Messiah. What was he doing? He was connecting the dots for them. Sometimes you have to uh, help people see some things. He was connecting the dots. He ties them together. God made that same Jesus uh, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Uh, They knew about Christ. They knew about the Messiah. They were waiting uh, for him. And Peter drops that truth bomb for them in verse 36. Again, God made the same Jesus whom they saw, made him uh, and crucified. Uh, The same one made him the Christ, Jesus the Christ. He's the one that they crucified. And so Peter's sermon was so convincing, it was plain, powerful, and persuasive that those on Pentecost, being sorely pricked in their hearts, said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? They were asking, what shall we do to rid ourselves of the blood of this innocent man? They were saying, what shall we do to be saved, to come out from under this. Now, one should carefully observe Peter's answer to the question they ask. Those Pentecostals were told uh, that to be saved, they must repent of their sins and be baptized for the remission of those sins. That would cure them. That would rid them of the guilt they were under. And also, they would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost to empower them to live a life pleasing of God. For again, if you remember at the first part of the chapter, it was when the Holy Spirit came uh, like a rushing mighty wind that got their attention and they wanted to know what was going on. And he's letting them know that this is the same thing that was prophesied by Joel and others. And he said, again, if you repent and are baptized, your sins will be forgiven. And also you too will receive this wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost as well. Again, and they were they were confused about the spirit, but Peter again does a masterful job in explaining that again, number one, this is the same thing that the prophet Joel uh, prophesied about, that you would receive the spirit uh, and that this man Jesus was the Christ, is the Christ that you all crucified and God made him uh, both Lord and Christ. And so what must I do 
uh, to be saved, he told them to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus or by the authority of Jesus. They were already believers in God. They had to be pointed specifically to Jesus, and also he promised them that they would receive the gift to of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is just one case of when, of when that question was asked. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter number 9, we know the case of Saul. Acts chapter number 9. Again, that question, uh, what must I do to be saved, was uh, submitted uh, substantially in the next case by a man by the name of Saul. Now, this Saul uh, if you know anything about Saul, Saul had a privileged background. In the area of culture, he was Greek. In the area of citizenship, he was a freeborn Roman. And in the area of religion, he was a Hebrew. The Bible says he was reared in the city of Tarsus, in the province of Cilicia, which would be Turkey, which he described as no mean city, a major Greek cultural center. Uh, Saul had the advantage of a good education. Uh, he could have been known as Dr. Saul in our day and time. Uh, in his study of religion, he was a student of Gamaliel of the Hillel School of Religion. He had advanced in the Jews' religion beyond many of his own age. He was zealous, especially zealous, for the traditions of the fathers. He was also zealous for God. He describes himself as having been circumcised the eighth day of a stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul was, Saul rather, was a very religious man. Uh, he was a member of the Pharisee, Pharisee uh, sect, uh, the, the strictest sect of the Jews. Unlike many religious people today, he was very conscientious about his religion. Uh, he lived in all good conscience before God and thus exercised a conscience void of offense. As touching righteousness, which was in the law, he was found uh, blameless. He says again, circumcised the eighth day, Philippians chapter 3, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law a Pharisee, Acts 26, 5, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most strictest of our religion, I live a Pharisee, Acts 23 and 1, and Paul earnestly beholding the council said, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God on this, uh, before God until this day. Paul having been privileged by the traditions of his fathers, thought that he ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. In Jerusalem, again, he uh, shut up saints in prison and gave vote uh, to kill uh, men and women, those who would dare call upon the name of the Lord. You see, uh, Paul was someone who just knew what he was doing was right. Uh, when the Lord uh, approached him on his way to Damascus. We know the story. Uh, the Lord knocked him down with a bright light, and, and, and the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? 
Saul answered, Who art thou, Lord? Of course, the, the custom of the Jews, as well as Gentiles, was to address their superiors as Lord. And so Saul recognized that he was in the presence of someone superior to him. And on that basis, he asked, Who art thou, Lord? Of course, Jesus knew well that Saul did not know him. And so he answered, Therefore, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Upon hearing this, Saul, trembling and astonished himself, said, Lord, what wilt thou have to do? We see a change of mind, a change of heart here. And this is interesting again because Saul thought in his mind he was doing the right thing. You see, Saul was somebody, you couldn't tell him he was wrong in this life. He had a clear conscience as far as he was concerned. He knew he was right until it was revealed to him the error of his way. Much like many people today, they just know they're right. They will fight you tooth and nail about what they believe. They will walk away proud and even mad, but it doesn't change the fact of what is right or what is wrong uh, scripturally. And so our job today, friends, is to help people and expose them to the truth. And sometimes uh, God just has to work on somebody's heart. And our job is just to bring the word of God, to teach the word of God, and allow God to work on their hearts. Because sometimes uh, uh, my person uh, may be offensive to one, or your person may be offensive to somebody else, but, but let God's word work on their hearts like God's word works on uh, Saul's. And so, but if there ever was a time, back to that text, if there ever was a time when our Lord should give direct answer uh, to the inquiring mind, surely that time would have been when Saul asked, Lord, what would you have me to do? But a divine principle has been set. The gospel, my friends, had to be delivered by earthen vessels. You see, the gospel was to be preached only by mortal men. Uh, this principle is stated full well in the fourth chapter of Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven talks about how we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's you and I. And on this principle, our Lord did not tell Peter what he must do, but he told him where he should go that he might be told what he must do. So thus. Saul, blinded by the light, went and dwelt in the house of Judas, who lived on the street called Straight. For three days he did not eat food nor drink water to drink, and he continued constantly in prayer. And then a man by the name of, of, of Ananias, an earthen vessel, was directed by a vision to go to Saul. Ananias entered the house of Judas and said to Saul, Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. And so here again, observe the answer to the question, what must I do to be saved? Saul was told to be baptized and wash away his sins. You see, once again, Saul was well-versed in Scripture. Uh, Saul was well-versed in uh, the law, but he did not know Christ, and he was yet in his sins. And so uh, his answer to the question was, again, to be baptized and wash away 
uh, his sins. If a man has sin in his life, he cannot go where Jesus is. And then another case where this question was asked was in Acts chapter 16. Again, very familiar passage, Acts chapter 16. The question again was asked, what must I do to be saved? Uh, By the jailer, as we know him, called the Philippian jailer in the city uh, area of Macedonia, uh, Philippi. Uh, On uh, the Sabbath day, uh, Saul was there in the first part of the chapter. They went out of the gate by the riverside where Lydia, a proselyte to the Jewish faith and a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, along with other women, were there to meet for prayer on each Sabbath day. Now, the Jewish population in Philippi must have been very small since there was no synagogue there, only a place of prayer outside the city it required at least 10 men for the founding of a synagogue. And friends, that still seems to be an issue in our world today and in our churches. Just where are the men? Where are the leaders? Hmm, that's a question for another time. But Paul spoke to that company of women concerning the Christ, and the Lord opened Lydia's heart to give heed to those things which were spoken by Paul. She kept on listening to Paul. Uh, You see, the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. She kept on listening uh, to Paul, and Lydia and her whole household were baptized. Now, again, Lydia was a great candidate for baptism because she had an open mind and open heart. She was a believer of God and set a time, set aside a time to worship the way she was used to. But the Lord opened her heart. Again, she listened attentively to the word, and it's the word of God that brings the sinner to the Savior, John chapter 5 and verse number 24. But friends, God's word is quick and powerful. It's living to move uh, an open, receptive heart. So she didn't argue with Paul. She didn't try to press her way. She heard it. She listened. She took God's word, and the Lord opened her heart, and she and her household were baptized. And then after that particular case, she invited them to come and to stay at her house. Now, Paul and Silas, still in the company, still in that city, we meet this poor woman being emotionally and physically, I say, trafficked by these wicked men. She had an evil spirit of divination, and she followed Paul and the company and proclaimed them to be servants of the Most High God. She did this for many days. Now, the maid, again, was proclaiming what she was proclaiming was true, but her character was not in keeping with their preaching. And Paul knew that to cast out the divination of the maid would cause a problem, but he no doubt uh, tolerated her proclamations as long as he could. But again, uh, he finally decided uh, to tell her, tell the evil spirit to come out of her, and it came out that very same hour. Now, when the masters saw that their maid would no longer bring them any more money, they laid hold on Paul and Silas, dragged them before the magistrates of the city, and charged them 
uh, setting forth customs which they say are not lawful for Romans to observe. The charge was no small one. The multitude rose up. The magistrates rent their garments, and Paul and his companions were beaten with rods and cast in the prison. Stay with me now. The jailer, having been charged to keep them safely, cast them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. Now, around midnight, Paul and Silas, having been sorely beaten, praying and singing praises and hymns to God, the Bible says suddenly a great earthquake struck the foundations of the prison house and it was shaken. All the doors were open. Every man's bonds were loose. And the jailer, being roused from his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had escaped, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul, get this now, Paul cried with a loud voice and said, Do thyself no harm. We are here. You see, uh, the Apostle Paul, even after being savagely beaten and abused, and embarrassed us still did not want to see this man take his life. The jailer called for lights and trembling for fear. He sprang in and fell down at the feet of Paul and Silas. And here it is, said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, uh, Paul and Silas said to the jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus and thou shalt be saved, thou and thy house. This was a new territory for the Lord's church. They were in Europe. They were in a new place, a new set of people who had never heard of the word of God uh, about Jesus, and he proclaimed uh, the word of God to this man, to this jailer. He was probably a retired Roman a soldier knew nothing about the Christ, knew nothing about uh, Jesus, and he said, believe and thou shalt be saved. Now, now stay with me now because that's not the rest of the story. So in summary of these three cases, those on Pentecost, they were told to repent and be baptized. Saul was told to be baptized, to wash away his sins. The jailer was told to believe on the Lord Jesus. Now let's continue. The answer given the jailer was given in a general term, general terms, you see. Uh, this met the need for the moment, uh, and the specifics will be added later as the text shows. He was told to believe on the Lord Jesus because he was not a believer before this. He was a Gentile. He didn't know Christ. They had to begin to teach him, as the Bible says, what to believe. And after he was taught, after he was taught, his whole household were baptized, and they all heard, believed, repented, and were baptized. Again, the answer given to those on Pentecost was simply repent and be baptized because they were already believers at the time. They had questioned Peter, and Peter began to teach them about Jesus, and they were moved. They were pricked because they had killed the Messiah, Jesus proved, Paul, Peter rather proved that Jesus was the Christ, and they wanted to know how to make this right. So Peter had to meet them at their need, repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. And, of course, in the case of Saul, Ananias didn't have to tell Saul to believe because, again, he was already a believer. He had changed his mind. He met the Lord face to face. Saul knew he was real. Saul had obviously repented because he was fasting 
and praying. So all Paul needed was for somebody to tell him exactly what to do next, and that is arise and be baptized. Friends, it's not that difficult. Uh, In these cases, we see, again, believe on the Lord Jesus, repent of your sins, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, even on tonight. And most of you perhaps here listening to me have already responded to to this question and had your sins washed away, forgiven. But however, in each case, somebody had to bring something to their attention. In the first case, Peter brought it to their attention. In the second case, Ananias brought it to his attention. In the third case, Paul and Silas brought it to the attention of those in Acts chapter 16. And you may say, I've been baptized. I'm a Christian. But yet, have you followed the example of Peter, Ananias, Paul, and Silas? Have you gone out of your way to explain the truth more clearly to those who need it? Have you exercised your faith in God to share the gospel with somebody that doesn't look like you, doesn't sound like you, is from a different place? Have you cared enough to speak truth to the power, even when the power was against you, and speak a word to save someone's life who was about to kill or destroy or abuse you? That's what the love of Jesus would do. That's what the gospel is about even on tonight. So, friends, my time has come and gone. I've held you long enough uh, tonight. Again, I just wanted to share a very, very simple question. What must I do to be saved as revealed according to uh, the word of God tonight? Listen, may God bless you. May he bless you real good. I encourage you to uh, attend a church of Christ in your neighborhood, uh, wherever you might be in your city, across this country, across the world. Uh, Let them know you've heard the gospel and you're ready to obey the gospel, or perhaps you have more questions, I'm sure the ministers or the elders or the leaders will help you come to a more clearer conclusion, but it's not that difficult. You just have to hear the gospel of Christ. You have to believe it, and you have to obey the commands of the gospel. Jesus said himself, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Listen, I bid you good night. Have a great night in the Lord. Again, thank you, Brother Butler, for this blessed opportunity. May God bless you. May he bless you real good. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show.
From the Lord Radio Show.
You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Thinking about what you've done for me in my life I just want to say what you really mean to me You're my everything, my joy and peace You're the reason why I sing Lord, I don't deserve anything you've given me So I just gotta say thank you Whoa, what's nice with your love and grace So I just gotta tell you this Listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. I 
went to our funeral of a friend of mine. My old friends were standing around with tears in their eyes. And I thought, what could I say to take away some of their pain? I stepped out of that funeral home. I wrote this refrain. It goes, a whole lot of life gone by. So you need to give Jesus a try. You'll find yourself walking in the light. Everything gonna be alright. Don't you know that the devil gonna tell you that lie? That you can live any way that you like. And since we know we're gonna die, you need to give Jesus a try. Tell me,
You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show.